Welcome to the Extra Point Podcast. Extra Point is part of the preaching ministry of Moberly Baptist Church in East Texas. Extra Point provides helpful follow-up for Sunday's message. Specifically, it allows us to discuss some of the extra points of the message that we didn't have time to fully discuss on Sunday and even answer questions from the listening audience. So if you have a question, you can simply go to Extra Point or email extrapointatmoberly.org and we'll be glad to respond to those. I'm Paul Coleman, the teaching pastor at Moberly, and today... I am thrilled to be joined by Greg Martin, who serves as the pastor of congregational care here at Moberly. Greg, I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's get started. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Paul. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here today with you and uh, looking forward to learning a little bit as we go through this conversation. Awesome. We've been uh, having this uh, ser- sermon series now, nine weeks into it, on Above Every Other, talking about the names of God. And I, I've heard comment after comment of how grateful people are, especially in these crazy times uh, that they're enjoying knowing uh, the character of God, because it certainly is meaningful in these these strange, strange days. So uh, we're 18 names into it, uh, Paul. Uh, where do you see the series heading? Well, next week, actually next Sunday, will be the last sermon uh, on these. It's not the last name of God. I think I said this in my message on one of the one of the times on Sunday that there are over three hundred names of God found in the Bible. So we could do this all all year from now on and for the next few years. And I hope people will continue to study on their own uh, just the names of God, the various names of God. It's a great study. But what we're going to do is we're going to culminate and wrap this up next Sunday, uh, talking about one name that essentially encompasses all the other names. And um, so I would encourage people to be here or tune in online next Sunday, and and it'll be a hopefully a great day for people as we do that. Well, again, it's kind of like a diamond. There's so many different facets and ways to look at, at God, and each one adds to our relationship with Him. So we're grateful for that. But, you know, each week in your introductions, you've been using some some passages of Scripture just to reinforce how important it is to, to know God personally. God is not a concept. He's not a, he's not a theory. He's a person who desires a relationship with us. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, you mentioned one Sunday that kind of caught my ear, um, Daniel 11.30. You said, but the people who know their God will be strong and take action. And that resonated with me. I, even in my quiet time this morning, I've been studying James, and it, it says in James 4.17, for him that knows to do good but doeth, doesn't do it, to him it's sin. There's this idea that as believers, we're to, to be people of action. And, uh, you know, these are crazy days in our country, and a lot of tension in our country around race and justice and so many things. But as you talked about that passage in Daniel, uh, tell us what you, what you were thinking as you thought about that. Well, it's an interesting passage because the context of the, the passage is really just a ton of evil. I mean, what Daniel describes is awful things going on in Daniel 11 that are that are going to happen or did happen in the history of Israel and what was going on in their lives. But he starts by saying, but, you know, that's evil people do all these things, but the people who know their God. And certainly Daniel lived that out as a man who'd been exiled, taken away from everything that was familiar to him, the temple, Israel, you know, all the culture that was a part of his life, and then removed and put into this other culture, changed his name, taught him a new language. And yet he continued to practice spiritual disciplines. He prayed three times a day. He would refuse to eat the king's food, all these different things that he did. Uh, to continue to honor God in his life personally. And so from his own personal experience, I think, but just from knowing God personally in very difficult times, he was saying the people who know God are strong 
and they have a strength about them, and they can take action. Some translations say they stand firm and take action. And so I just wanted to start by asking people how they were doing in terms of transformation in their lives. In the last eight weeks before Sunday, you know, how was knowing God in more detail affecting them? And I applied it to the current situation going on in our country with the tensions around race and all the discussions that are happening about that and the protests and different things. And, and the Lord's just been dealing with me about trying to have a listening heart, just be more in tune with people, especially people who are not the same color as me, black people, people of color, to be able to really hear their experiences and, when appropriate, to let them know that I'm sorry that they've, been, they've had any of those experiences because I, I've never, since I started following Jesus, I've never allowed racism to take any root in my heart. And when an attitude would come into my mind or something that— I would think, no, that's not that's not the Lord. And I've just never tolerated racism of any kind toward any race in my heart and mind because I know that's not God. So for me, it's, it is it is a personal thing. I've decided, I think the Lord's led me to just be more interactive with people about this because it's on everyone's mind anyway, and particularly people that experience some kind of racial injustice or racial prejudice. So interesting, yesterday afternoon after church, I had an interaction with a black man. Uh, I had something for sale on Marketplace, and he came and bought it. And And I don't know this man, but I began to talk with him. And he grew up here in our city, and he's been here his whole life. And so I said to him, I said, can I ask you a question? All this craziness that's going on in our country, you and I are sitting here having a conversation. We don't have any animosity toward one another. I don't sense any from you, and I certainly don't have any for you. I said, can I ask you, have you ever experienced any racial injustice or prejudice? And he said, first he said, um, you know, not really. Well, he said there was this one time, and he told me about this thing that happened when he was six years old here in our city. His dad had taken him downtown to do something, get something out of the store. He, he sat his six-year-old son, this man I was talking to, sat him. his dad sat him down on a bench, and his dad went in the store to do whatever it was he was going to do. And this elderly white woman, he said, walked by him and stopped and poured her drink on his head. <laughs> and I just could not believe, I mean, that's how naive I guess I am. I, I didn't live. He said this happened in the 60s. I was alive in the 60s, but I was pretty young, and I never witnessed anything like that in my life. But I thought, wow, right here in, in East Texas, this guy had that experience. And uh, he told me about a couple of others that he, of people that he had known that he experienced. But I just told him, I said, I am sorry that happened to you. And he goes, oh, you know, it's okay. It's no no big thing. It hasn't marred my life too much. And I said, I know, but... That should have never happened to you. And I told him, I said, because your life is extremely valuable to God. You have worth and value. God made you. You're a human being, and all human beings are supremely valued by God. So I'm I'm just sorry that happened. And, you know, he appreciated that. And so I don't, I don't, we'll just see where God takes that in my life. But I'm hoping that, that those will be gospel conversations ultimately. And I just want to be used, I know you do too, I want to be used by the Lord during this time to speak for Him. I, I I do know God, and you do too, Greg. And so, you know, those of us who know God, the Bible affirms that we will stand firm and take action, and there's something we can do. And so I know you're thinking about some things too. And so, you know, there's just things that all of us have to seek the Lord and say, silence is not an option. But what do you say and what do you do that is effective? Because you can just get into arguments about this and, and go nowhere. So to me, action is different than arguing. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but I've been looking at the first part of the book of Nehemiah lately in relative to this. And I, one of the, some of the things I saw Nehemiah do was the first thing he did was listen. And yeah. then he felt, he felt the empathy, and then he prayed, and then he acted. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes we, we go straight to the acting without the listening and the feeling and the praying and saying, God, what do you want me to do? Because ultimately our actions need to be guided not by our thoughts, but by God's thoughts. And that kind of brings me back to to, to Sunday's thing, Paul, as we, as we talked about two of the names of God. Again, knowing God's character should shape our thoughts, our, our actions, our beliefs. And so you talked about two names of God uh, this past Sunday. Paul, could you speak a little bit more about those? Yeah, so we talked about El Olam which is the compound of Elohim, which means powerful, supreme, and sovereign, often translated into our English translations as the word or name or title God. And then the word Olam, which means eternal. So it's God the eternal or the eternal God. And it it relates to his uh, unchangeableness. I'll talk about that in a second. And the second name is Yahweh Shema. I only use one time in the whole Bible, last verse of the book of Ezekiel, which means uh, Yahweh, self-existent, personal, and present, <clears throat> Excuse me, and then Shema, which means there. So it means God is there, and it's about it's about His presence. Well, I know uh, I'm looking forward to this because I can't wrap my mind around eternity. <laughs> uh, it's just beyond what I can even uh, think. Uh, you know, we're so shaped by time. But what are what are a couple of points as you think about this concept of the eternal God, El Olam? The, a couple of extra points that you didn't have time to make yesterday that you might want to share today. El Olam communicates God's permanence. His Everlastingness, his um, his eternal nature. I mentioned this that Atik Yom, a name we talked about several weeks ago, relates to how God relates to time. He's above time, before time, after time, beyond time. He created time, which does hurt my head to think about <laughs> those kind of things. The idea of El Olam is really more about his immutability. His it communicates the fact that he's unchanging through all of time. What would it? Like, think about this. What would it be like if God were not El Olam? And I'll give you an example. I have a friend that I went to college with who was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and his family is so devout. His dad was, uh, I don't know what the structure is in their in their hierarchy, but his dad was like an elder, essentially, in the Jehovah's Witness uh, kingdom hall thing. And so, anyway, when he was a young man, he went to New York City. He moved to New York City to work for the publishing house, the Watchtower. And, you know, he, he said, as a young man, I just believed everything that, that I read in the Watchtower magazine every month. We got those every month. And um, it was later in his life uh, when he began to read them, and he said that they were told, I didn't know this, he said they were told when they finished reading their magazine, they were supposed to throw it away every month. And uh, he said the reason for that is if you compare previous months to the current month's magazine, what you may find is that there's inconsistency. And he said, I wasn't supposed to do this, but I was a young man and I was curious and I was very interested and I began to question the things I'd been taught all my life. And he said, I began to compare them and they contradicted each other at some points of doctrine and things. And he said, that began to put doubt in my mind about the entire teaching of what Jehovah's Witness is based on. So I thought about that related to this just as an example because that was the thing that spurred him on to find faith in Jesus Christ ultimately was the inconsistency. And I thought, what if God wasn't unchangeable? What if he was, what if he changed all the time? 
How would that affect your life, Greg, if God changed all the time well, or just, changed ever? Just think about the inconsistency of life. Is if one day what I did, you know, he he affirmed it, and the next day the same thing made him mad or whatever. There would be this sense of I don't know what's right or what's wrong. There's no consistency. There's no um, uh, there's no north star <laughs> that we can live our lives by. I love the Bible because I'm thinking we live in this age of everybody does what's right in their own eyes. I've got to know there's something that is true. Something Something that is always true, something that is always from God always loves me. God always uh, hates sin. God, God always yeah. is willing to forgive when I repent. And to know that that I can depend on these things is such a stark contrast to us as human beings because we change. We're fickle. We change with the wind. And to know that there's someone out there that uh, is always consistent is huge in my life. Yeah. You said something interesting. So what if, because God is all-powerful, it's a, it's no small thing to offend Him. And if He changed, and one day the thing that you did the day before made Him mad the next day, it wouldn't be just a trivial thing of saying, well, I can't please Him. He's God. If you can't please Him ever, if you don't know what pleases Him, man, that is, that's fatal. I mean, that would there'd be no hope right. at all. We wouldn't have any. I, I'm thinking about me. I wouldn't have any hope. I wouldn't have any certainty going forward. Life would just be like trying to nail Jello to a wall. Mm-hmm. It'd be completely uh, unstable. As he, and Mikey says, I, "He's told you, old man, what is good for you." And it's not. <laughs> it wasn't one thing in Micah's day and one thing in my That's day. That's right. It's consistency. That's true. That's true. I love that. You know, um, that's a that's a word or name that's used 439 times. Mm. So the Lord has been trying to communicate over and over again who He is. Isaiah 26, 4 is a verse I didn't talk about in the message, but it says the Lord Himself is an everlasting rock. And there's a bunch of times it talks about God's a rock, He's a, he's a mountain, He's a fortress. Those images are about stability, consistency. You can count on you can build on it, you can, you know, trust it. And trust his character in this case. So Yahweh, or I'm sorry, El Olam, is, communicates all those things about the fact that you can depend on him, you can trust him, and know that he's going to be the same. What, a, what an amazing blessing to know that we don't have to wonder uh, if he's going to be the same t- tomorrow as he is today. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's a wonderful blessing. Mm-hmm. And then this idea of Yahweh Shema, this idea that God is there, is really about His presence, and not just His presence, but His desire to be with us. In the prophecy of Ezekiel, I, I said in the message on Sunday that, you know, most people don't probably have their quiet time in the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> a guy texted me yesterday after, he goes, I'm actually having my quiet time right now in Ezekiel. <laughs> there's always one, isn't there? I said, yeah, there's always an outlier. <laughs> and I said, well, good for you, you know, how's that going? Uh, but there's, I mean, obviously it's God's truth. And you know, when you understand the context that Ezekiel was the man who was called by God in the midst of exile, and and God wanted to speak to his people because they, even though they were exiled, they hadn't come to repentance yet. They still hadn't changed their heart toward God. The things that caused them to be exiled were still in their hearts. They still were worshiping idols. They still were not fully committed to the Lord and, and fully loving Him. And so in the midst of that... Um, he talks about the restoration of Jerusalem, ultimately, and that's the last verse of Ezekiel where he talks about that the name of that place will be called, Jerusalem will be called, the Lord is there, God is there. Pastor Jeffrey preached this message over in Marshall yesterday or on Sunday, and he talked about this as an extra point. I didn't mention this in my sermon, but 
that there are three times in the book of Ezekiel where it talks about how Jerusalem is to be rebuilt, and it says that that the temple is to be in the middle of the city, and I think that's significant. That that that's where that's not as if the Lord was only in the middle of the city; that His presence was only there. But that's where the physical manifestation of His presence was. And if if you've ever been, have you ever been to Israel? You no, go? no, I haven't. Well, it's to me that when I went several years ago, the thing that I love most about the trip, there were a lot of great things about it. But to me, being in in Jerusalem and and just and though there's not a temple on the Temple Mount now, there's a mosque, but the Temple Mount itself is just so massive, and it is, it is up on a mountain, and it's it's an elevated spot, and it's this it was the center of old Jerusalem, so it, God was to be the center of their lives. And while they're in exile, they aren't in Jerusalem, so they're feeling isolated from God, even though God was fully aware of their situation and, and knew them. He was promising them that ultimately in the future, when He restored Jerusalem, that they would be in His presence forever. And that promise is made over and over and over again. And what I love most about that, I think, is the idea that God, it's not just that we get to be in God's presence, but God actually wants us to be in His presence. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great idea. That's a great concept to think about, that God actually welcomes us into His presence. The psalmist says that in His presence is fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. So when you get to heaven, I think some people maybe wrongly think that they're still going to have regrets. They're going to be like Schindler and Schindler's List. They wish they could have done more or whatever. I don't think in that moment there's going to be any thought of earth. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm speculating, but... I just think if there's pre- fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord, to be full of joy is the the absolute best human state you can be in. Yeah, I just think what it's going to be like someday to to, to be with Jesus. I, I was writing a note to somebody who'd lost a loved one today, but I know the loved one was a believer, and I reminded him of John 14 where Jesus says, yeah. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but then I'm going to come back and take you so that you can be where I am because that is where... Life takes place, and and the good thing is, you know, Paul. Sometimes we think, okay, what's well, gonna be great in heaven someday, but God is there for us today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, the the example that you shared yesterday of the young man who'd kind of walked away in his life. God never walked away from him. God was there for him. It was his own um, sin, his own choices that was putting that separation in the condition, not his position, but his condition. Yeah. But God God is not there for us when we die and go to heaven. God is there for us all the time. Right now, I know, and that's so wonderful. That is life. Jesus said, this is life, this is eternal life, that you may know him, the one true God, and his son whom he sent. And so that's his whole series on the, above every other, the names of God is is to help us get to know God personally and have that relationship and enter into that joy, the fullness of joy right now. The psalmist said that, and, and he wasn't in heaven when he said that. You know, So the reality is I encourage people, I often practice this myself, just sitting in the presence of the Lord with, with no time limit, You know, not saying, well, I've got 15 minutes, God, you know, whatever. And sometimes our schedule is like that. But also we need times where we draw away and we don't have a limit and we can just say, I'm just going to be with the Lord for a while today. And I'm going to enjoy being in the presence of the Lord. It's not just about I'm going to read a certain number of verses or I'm going to read this book. I've got something to accomplish. And those are fine goals and things, but those can even become distractions to just sitting in the presence of the Lord, just listening, just being still before the Lord with His Word, certainly, and and just being with Him, not in a rush to go somewhere else. 
just enjoying the relationship. That's what I think God designed us for was that kind of fellowship. And uh, when you practice that, it you're at the heart of what Christianity really is all about. God sent His Son Jesus so that we could have our sin forgiven, which would remove the barrier that existed between us and God, so that we could have unfettered access to His throne and be in His presence forever. So, and, and to think that it's uh, you know how many times if you needed to talk to somebody and they go, "I'm busy right now. Could you get back with me later?" Um, hey, I don't have time for you right now. <laughs> the God of the universe. If, if if you need to talk to him at 7.30 this morning and I need to talk to him at 7.30 this morning, he's not going, hey, Paul, could you wait a minute? i got to talk to Greg. He is there for us all the time. And there's nothing he desires more than for us to go, I sure would love to spend some time with you. Yeah. You know, yeah, and the fact that he would even want that, <laughs> not just require it or demand it, but actually want it. Right. I mean, that is, that's his love. That describes his love. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been great to discuss this with you. Was there anything else you wanted to throw in this morning? Doesn't have to be. I'm just curious. Um, no, I, I I just am enjoying this. Like you say, that when we stop and reflect on what these things, I think the trick is to keep it from being a theoretical exercise. To to just you know, mm-hmm. hey, I, now I know the names of God and I can quote them and you know take the test and what have you. But to really, like you say, let them filter down into your life and go, because I believe this is true about God. How does that change what I think, what I feel, what I say, and and really direct my Life, so this is this is a great series. Paul. Maybe I should have a test. You should. You, uh, pop, let's pop think quiz about that pop, for Sunday. Pop, is it, you know, uh, <laughs> pull out I, a piece of paper. Yeah, my, my wife who teaches sixth grade may not appreciate that. You know, so uh, I don't think anybody pop quiz just sends anxiety all through your body. You know, <laughs> put everything down and get out a piece of paper. This, no, boy, to get the got the God who knows the answers and gives them to me would, would be good. Right. So there's been a lot of people who prayed before a pop test. I can oh, guarantee man. that. So yeah, get me out of this mess. Oh my word. I hope this podcast has been helpful for you too as you lead your connect group or discipleship group or just in your own personal study of God's words. We've said before, this is not just an exercise in knowledge. Really, knowing God leads to action in our lives. And maybe that's just spending more time with Him as we just talked about to get to know Him better. Hope you'll join us next time for Extra Point or you can join us in person this coming Sunday at Myrley at 8 o'clock and 11. Uh, Both those times will be online as well. And you can get more information about that by going to Myrley.com dot org.